0: Hello, my rebels. Have you ever heard of someone that Justin Trudeau will not accept to Canada as an immigrant or a refugee? We know he takes terrorists, including returning ISIS rapists. We know he takes bogus refugees from the United States, including those ordered deported. But I think we finally found someone that Trudeau just can't stomach. Oh, he is in a pickle on this one. I'll tell you in today's podcast. Before I do, let me invite you to become a Rebel News Plus subscriber. Go to rebelnews.com. It's eight bucks a month or 80 bucks for the whole year. You get the video version of this show, as well as Sheila Gunn-Reed's show and David Menzies' show. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, we finally found a group of refugees that Justin Trudeau refuses to take. It's May 5th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon Ezra. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why i publishing because it. it's, it's my bloody right to do so. Justin Trudeau's open borders globalist ideology is what he believes in more than anything other than his passion for marijuana. And even that doesn't really count. His marijuana obsession isn't so much
1: ideological as it's just his hobby. The current approach on uh, drugs is not working. I'm in favor of legalizing it. Five or six times in my life that I've taken a puff. Of protecting our children from marijuana. Uh, So, yes, five or six times in my life that the continued prohibition of marijuana, that's a lot of smoking. I've never done it except with people I know and trust.
0: Same thing with Trudeau and being a male feminist. It's not really so much a philosophy, it's more a cynical gimmick to preempt and silence questions about his sexual harassment of women, like Rose Knight.
1: Like I said, uh, I do not feel that I acted inappropriately uh, in any way, uh, but I respect uh, the fact that someone else might have experienced that differently.
0: Joe Biden should really try the Trudeau approach. No, 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 no. I'm not a serial groper. I'm just a male feminist who feels the need to dominate every powerful woman in my orbit by invading their personal space, having chest-to-chest hugs to show these women I'm their master. Trudeau is such a creep, but the media party covers for him just like they did for Bill Clinton. But yeah. Globalism is the one thing Trudeau actually believes in. He's not particularly bright compared to his father, Pierre Trudeau. Um, But Justin Trudeau absorbed enough of his dad's hostility to the West and romantic love for third world dictatorships that, um, you know, that's the closest thing he has to an ideology. Here's Trudeau sitting at the feet of George Soros. You can tell who is the boss in this meeting. I normally show you the cropped photo of just Trudeau and Soros that Trudeau himself tweeted, but Christy Freeland was in the meeting too. She may have actually set the meeting up. She's good friends with Soros. According to the Globe and Mail, before she was elected as an MP, she was approved by Soros to write his authorized biography, translation, a fawning pro-Soros piece of propaganda. Can you imagine that she became Canada's foreign minister and now our Prime Minister, is there any doubt why Canada has been such an anti-US, anti-NATO, globalist mess now? The entire Rocks Road fiasco, taking 50,000 bogus refugees, is pure Soros. But in fairness, Trudeau's loathing for Canada and its borders is something he inherited from his own dad, well before he would have met Soros. Remember this speech he gave on the campaign trail in 2015? When he said he would reverse Stephen Harper's policy, a policy that other allies like the UK have, to strip convicted terrorists who have a dual citizenship of their Canadian citizenship, Trudeau said they were just as Canadian as you are. Terrorist attacks R- against
1: this country. A Canadian, the individual is, a Canadian in question, Mr. is a Canadian.
0: Trudeau will let everyone, anyone, into our country—terrorists, even returning ISIS rapists coming back from the Islamic State.
1: We know that actually someone who has engaged and turned away from that hateful ideology can be an extraordinarily powerful voice. Trudeau will even keep people who just walk
0: across Roxham Road. They have criminal records, even if they're child predators. He'll keep them. Here's a sex offender faking it as a refugee. Good enough for Trudeau though. Everyone is welcome. Anyone. Indiscriminate. No need to actually be a real refugee. No need to be in Canada's own interests. It's all about open borders. I've never heard of anyone turned away by Trudeau. Have you? Until now. Look at this. Published in the Globe and Mail. I criticize the Globe a lot, but on their China coverage, like their coverage of Jody Wilson Raybould, I must give credit where it's due. The Globe has had the best coverage of the China crisis of any Canadian newspaper other than the Epoch Times. And that's one of the reasons why Trudeau refuses to take their questions at his daily scrums too. Isn't that funny? Let me read this story, which just happens to be written by Bob Fife and Steve Chase, the two Globe reporters who did the heavy lifting on the Jody Wilson-Raybould stories, by the way. Freeland mum on whether Hong Kong asylum seekers will be granted refuge as Bigger Way predicted. Deputy Prime Minister Chrystia Freeland asked about dozens of asylum claims made by Hong Kong protesters in Canada, praise the rich contribution immigrants from this former British colony have made to this country, but declined to indicate whether Ottawa would grant the applicant's refuge. and I suppose that's technically fair enough. It would be inappropriate for a political cabinet minister to prejudge the outcome of a refugee application, which is a bureaucratic or a quasi-judicial decision. It would be like a politician weighing in on a court case. Let me read some more. The 46 would-be refugees from Hong Kong applied for asylum claims between January 1st and March 30th, uh, January 1st and March 31st, 2020, the claims, which are all pending, were received at airports, Canada Border Security Agency bureaus, and Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada offices across the country. Many of those claiming asylum in Canada faced charges in Hong Kong in connection with the protests. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Trudeau loves open borders. He loves them. Everyone's welcome. Terrorists, rapists registered sex offenders, criminals. But yikes, a democracy activist from Hong Kong, as in the people who love freedom so much they're willing to stand up to the Chinese Communist Party and risk another Tiananmen Square massacre. Yikes, those are the people that Trudeau would consider. He hates those people. I mean, he hates them. They're the same kind of people that the CBC state broadcaster smears, even calls racist, as they did in this weird, repeated attack on the Epoch Times, a newspaper run by ethnically Chinese people who criticized the Chinese dictatorship. This is a tough one for Trudeau. Two of his favorite things are in conflict. Does he obey George Soros and the open borders ideology, or does he obey China and send the Hong Kong democracy protesters back to China and perhaps back to prison or even their deaths? You know, there's a Chinese professor who's taught at the University of Alberta and then the University of British Columbia. Wenrang Jiang is his name. His specialty is Canada-China relations, but he really is a sort of unofficial spokesman for China in Canada. I'm not saying he's disloyal to Canada. I've interviewed him before. I've debated him before. He's very smart, very pragmatic. I'm just saying, if he says Beijing has a certain opinion, you can take it to the bank that they really do. Here's what he told the Globe and Mail. When Ren Jing, an adjunct professor at the University of British Columbia School of Public Policy and Global Affairs, said Canada should proceed cautiously. If Ottawa officially encourages and offers political asylum to protesters in Hong Kong, even if some of them clearly broke the law by being violent, Beijing is likely to interpret such a move as interfering in Chinese domestic affairs, leading to adding more chill to an already cold bilateral relationship. I'm not sure what adding more chill means. Is China Gonna what? Take another two Canadian citizens hostage on top of Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig? Are, are Chinese nationals gonna hoover up more of our medical supplies during the pandemic? I, I don't know. Will they infect and kill thousands of Canadians with some virus from Wuhan? I'm not sure what China could do to us that they haven't already done to us, but it's, it's clear they'd be really, really mad if we, you know, gave refuge to people fleeing for their lives. Hey, how do you think Trudeau is going to come down on this one? Stand up for Hong Kong civil rights in general and the lives of these 46 people in particular? Or obey China, submit to China, do what China wants them to do? Yeah. It's really not much of a contest. What a shame, though. In Hong Kong, not only do you have people who speak English, hundreds of years of British legal and cultural traditions, the rule of law, property rights, that sort of thing, and a free market economy with an entrepreneurial spirit, I mean, talk about a great immigrant, right? I mean, wow, they'd fit in great. They'd do so well. But in these 46 people, presumably, that's sort of the problem. You have a deep love for democracy and freedom. Yeah, they're actually the precise kind of people Trudeau wants to replace in Canada with his preferred type of refugee, the Omar Cotters of the world. So that was one story out of Ottawa. And here's another. It was issued from Geneva, Switzerland, actually. That's a funny place to learn about Canadian news. But here it is from Dr. Tedros, who is about as much as a medical doctor as I am. He's actually the first non-medical doctor to run the World Health Organization. Normally they have doctors running. He has other uses, though, besides medicine. Uh, he obeys China, the country that installed him as the leader of the World Health Organization. Here's his tweet. Thank you, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister, for the support to the WHO during the United Against Coronavirus pledging event and for the contribution of 551 million euros plus to the global COVID-19 response. Together! (laughs) Oh my God! 551 million euros? You know what a euro, that's the currency of the European Union, it's worth more than a dollar. I I did the uh, currency exchange, That's 838 million Canadian dollars. It's almost a billion dollars to the UN's corrupt China-controlled WHO. Just announced on Twitter. You bet. That's how Trudeau rolls. Just like how Trudeau blurted out that he was giving 50 million dollars to some scheme that a U.S. late-night comedian Trevor Noah came up with. 50 million just to get a cool retweet from some B-list celebrity. That's how Trudeau does it with your money. We'll multiply that amount by almost 20 here's how trudeau crowed about it online
1: when a storm comes uh, people tend to want to hunker down with their friends with their families and wait till it blows over but we cannot isolate ourselves we cannot uh, hope that everyone else does well while we take care of ourselves we need to take care of ourselves and take care of the rest of the world as well take care of ourselves by taking care of the rest of the world
0: what the safety of our own people depends on how people in other countries are. Yeah, no, no, not if we have borders. Uh, then we keep people with the virus out. It's what every country in the world is doing that's been successful, especially Taiwan. When he says we can't isolate themselves, well, actually, that's what exactly happened. We're all in isolation now. We're all really under some form of house arrest precisely because he and his fools wouldn't close the borders to the virus. We've been forced into isolation. He just kept the flights coming to Canada. And and that one line he said that we can't hunker down and take care of ourselves only. We have to take care of the rest of the world first. What with 838 million dollars from where's that money coming from? Is that borrowed from China again? We've got 2 million Canadians thrown out of work. Agriculture the, Travel and tourism industry, every restaurant, bar, theater, sports facility, most schools, most retail companies in Trudeau thinks we need to give money to other people in other countries now of all time. Stop being so selfish, he says. Really. But he doesn't mean himself. He's been secretly renovating that country cottage that taxpayers provide him, $8.6 million in renovations How do you spend that much on a lake house? Well, money's no object. When it's taxpayers' money and it's Trudeau, who personally benefits, don't you worry. None of that $8.6 million will be sent overseas. Just your money will be. That fawning style of his, that childishness, that generosity with other people's money. Say, Do you ever hear that tone of voice he used there when he's talking to Canadians like unemployed oil and gas workers or farmers or people from Alberta or Saskatchewan or Serving military or veterans, no, just when he's playing to his base, the Canadian media party and foreign globalists. And that's all he cares about. He, I think he hates his job as prime minister, actually. I know it's hard to believe that at first, but think about it. For nearly two months, he's been hiding out in his house. He's got that vacation beard. He's living apart from his estranged wife who's at the cottage. Trudeau, I don't know, works an hour a day, maybe. He's disconnected from reality. He only shows any emotion and energy when he's giving away your money to foreign countries. That's the connection with the Hong Kong refugee story, too. Trudeau wants that temporary seat on the United Nations Security Council that's coming up for a vote. He needs China's vote to get on that and the votes that China controls. That's why Trudeau won't approve those Hong Kong refugees. That's why Trudeau just gave nearly a billion dollars to the corrupt, lying, China-controlled WHO. And that's His exit plan, I think. Trudeau checked out as our prime minister in October when he lost his majority government in the last election. Even before that, when the blackface revelation stunned him on top of the Jody Wilson-Raybould judicial interference matter, Trudeau just stopped having fun because people stopped looking up to him. They stopped believing him. Young people, minorities, women, aboriginal people, they realized he was a fake. He's a weird recluse now. Dying his own hair different colors, not cutting his nails. This is so weird. Check out the, cut your fingernails, you weirdo. What's that? I think he wants out, but he wants up. He wants all the travel and the perks without any of the responsibilities. He doesn't want to do the hard stuff. He wants fawning hordes of people, huge expense accounts, lots of young, pretty interns, but no pesky elections and work. That's why he loves the U.N., You heard it here first. Justin Trudeau will do anything, give anything, to get Canada, a United Nations Security Council seat, and then that's his exit plan to maneuver to get himself as the next Secretary General of the UN, as a pro-China, anti-America, pro-Soros, open borders, mascot for the world. He said as much. He, he says he doesn't believe in borders or even in Canada, really. He's even got the t-shirt. If you know that about Trudeau, if you believe that he wants out, that he wants to run the UN, that he wants to get away from countries and borders, then all of a sudden a lot more things about his anti-Canadian decisions start to make sense. Stay with us for more.
2: Swing for about 15. We were here for about 15 or 20 minutes. She was just on the swing. Uh, we weren't hurting anyone. We were here by ourselves. The police showed up. Uh, two officers approached us and told us that we were breaking. You know, and they and they put handcuffs on my mom. I told them that we weren't harming anyone. But that we needed to get outside and get some normality and just get some fresh air. We were talking for a little while, just like on a human to human level, uh, explaining like where I was coming from and all of this mental health, the lockdown, two months being inside with my daughter with no support. They proceeded to call back up. The sergeant showed up here, same thing. I tried to discuss it with him. He didn't want to hear it. He grabbed my arm, uh, took my backpack off, proceeded to put me in handcuffs, uh, separated me from my daughter. I was taken up to their, the police vehicle where a cop did a body search on me and it was very thorough and invasive. From there, they put me into the back of the cop car and I didn't even know where my daughter was at that time. Uh, They went through all my things uh, against my will. We were separated for about 20 minutes. He called me an idiot and yelled in my face. They finally came back and um, released me from the cop, took my handcuffs off, and gave me an $880 ticket.
0: I am so angry watching that, I cannot tell you that as a mom and her five-year-old daughter arrested, handcuffed, searched, separated from her daughter for 20 minutes, arrested in front of her five-year-old daughter. Now, did she commit a crime? Is she a bank robber? Is she a murderer? What did she do? She was on the swings with her daughter at an empty playground. Joining us now via Skype from Edmonton is our friend Sheila Gunner-Reed, chief reporter, to talk to you about the latest case for fightthefines.com. Sheila, I'm so mad when I see that. Tell us about this young lady.
3: Well, that young lady is Bridget Carlson. She's a young mom in North Bay, Ontario. Um, And, you know, she tells a really quite harrowing tale. She went out to get some fresh air with her daughter. Her daughter wanted to go on the swings. Bridget thought, what's the harm? Nobody else is there. I'm not endangering anybody. And so she let her daughter go on the swings. Then the police showed up. um, And It culminated in Bridget being handcuffed, stuffed in a car, uh, verbally abused by the police. They called her names and her belongings were searched. She was searched, she told me under her clothes, separated from her daughter for 20 minutes. That's, I mean, I'm a mom of kids. My kids would be absolutely in hysterics, just beside themselves. Um, if they saw that happen to me, all of this happened in front of her five-year-old. And eventually the police took the cuffs off her, took her out of the cop car and gave her an $880 fine. And Bridget's not a rich lady. I mean, who is during the coronavirus lockdown? I mean, this is a fine that would absolutely devastate her family. Um, The first time I talked to Bridget, um, she broke down in tears. Um, talking about the effect that this has had on her and her child, she said her daughter said to her, "Am I going to get? Am I going to need a new mommy if the police come back to get you?" Bridget said she, you know, woke up, um, it just sweating. She said it, it's been very traumatic for her, and her only crime was pushing her daughter on the swings.
0: Of course, that's not a crime. It's at most a public health. Ticket, and I know that you spoke to the Top Gun lawyer we've retained to help all of these cases of fight the fines. Sam Goldstein, who's a senior criminal lawyer in Toronto, is also a bencher of the Law Society. I mentioned that because that's one of the senior lawyers in Ontario that run the whole profession. So he's no slouch, Um, and what was interesting, and I encourage our viewers to watch the whole video on fightthefines.com, is Sam made the good point You can be searched incidental to an arrest, but your stuff being searched, your body being searched, you're thrown into the back of a car for a ticket? Yeah. For a ticket? And Sam was musing out loud, and I don't know the answer to his legal research on this. Like, if you get a parking ticket, they can't strip search you, or not strip search, they can't search you under your clothes, separate you from your daughter, it's a ticket. It's not a crime. It's not a crime. Now, I'm not an expert in criminal law, so uh, we rely on Sam Goldstein, but I feel so good that uh, and we sent our cameraman all the way up to North Bay there to meet this young, no one else would help her. No one else would help her. Who would help her? Where are the civil liberties associations who would normally rage against a young woman, a single mom no less, being thrown in the back of a cop car with cuffs No one is there. I feel so good about this, Sheila, that we're helping this young mom. And we're helping, I think we have about 11 or 12 or 13 cases like this. We're processing them, so we've only publicized about half of them so far. I feel great about helping this mom. I feel like it's really doing a public duty that no one else will do. I'm so glad you're taking it in particular, because you can relate mom to mom.
3: She had nowhere else to turn. No one is there to help her. She's a single mom. She's really on her own. As you hear in her interview there, she said she's been basically locked in the house for two months with her daughter. This was, you know, their chance to get out and have a little fresh air and the first time out getting a little fresh air, uh, she ends up in handcuffs. I mean, this is really, I think going to change people who are on the fence about these fines um, I think it, hearing what happened to Bridget um, could really signal a bit of a sea change in people's attitudes about police finding people because uh, this is just so absolutely outrageous. And I did have a couple of conversations with Sam. I talked to him on the phone before I jumped on Skype with him. And he did explain to me that, yeah, this is a ticketable offense. This isn't something that they really... Can be arresting you for sticking you in cuffs, and why stick her in cuffs? I mean, if she was acting out, if she was acting belligerent, if there's a crowd of people around and she's acting crazy, but she wasn't. It was just her and her daughter. Who yeah. was she endangering?
0: Yeah, you know, um, we've talked about this on another show. Is that under our constitution, our chart, even our basic freedoms, can be infringed in certain cases. Uh, The seminal court case is called Oaks, and so we call it the Oaks Test. And I'm just gonna, without getting too heavy duty into the law, is the infringement the least possible infringement on our freedom? Is it rationally connected to solving some public harm? And is it proportionate to the harm that's being averted? Those are several elements of the Oaks Test, so let's go through that. Is handcuffing a mom, separating her from her daughter, throwing in the back of the cop car, searching under her clothes, is that the least possible infringement that could have been done here? No, of course not. Is it rationally connected? No, you're not going to catch the virus by being alone with your daughter on inanimate equipment where there's no one around for for a mile? And finally, is it proportionate to the harm? Well, I should tell you, not a single teenager. (laughs) I mean, this is not a, or or a five-year-old teenager. She's five. Um, five. Thank God the virus doesn't touch kids. Like it just, there's nothing medically sound about this. There's nothing sound in terms of police work about this. There was nothing sound in terms of crime control, crowd control. This was just pure Government bullying. And I tell you, Sheila, I grew up, my family, my house, when I was a kid, we had so much respect for police. We were such a pro-police household. It was drummed into us. The police are the good guys. Always, if you're in danger, go to a cop. Always look to the cops, cops, cops. You would think we were a cop family. But watching the police abuse these past weeks in these cases, it is enough to turn a public against the police. And that is a grave danger here.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, uh, I'm I'm pro-police. Uh, I say it all the time. I love cops, hate their bosses. Um, I've got police in my own family. Um, but these municipal regulations and the authoritarian cops enforcing them are not doing their fellow members any favors because it will change the public's attitude about police. And I think that then becomes very dangerous. Every time you mention that Bridget was searched under her clothes in front of her child, my face gets hot with anger. I can't think of much worse of a violation of a mom in front of her daughter Um, and for these cops to do that because she violated some dumb rule and was in an empty park I, it's outrageous and i'm i'm glad that we're helping bridget i can't think of someone more deserving of the help and it really we say we're helping but it's our people at home who are pitching in to help uh, fund the legal battle for her through fightthefines.com
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, I've thought about and I've used occasional pro bono lawyers in my life. And my view is pro bono lawyers, that means working for free as sort of instead of donating cash to charity, they donate their time. You know, you got to like a lawyer who's willing to do that. But usually such a lawyer is not an expert in the particular field and they still have to earn a living. So they do their pro bono work last. We are not hiring um, Sam Goldstein pro bono. We're hiring him as we're paying him. And he's being reasonable with his fees, as far as I can tell. But the reason we're doing that is we want the best guy. And we want him to give his attention to this because we want to win. And I think we're gonna win uh, for Bridget Carlson and all the other cases we've taken. And what's so interesting, we had a case of a teenage skateboarder. There was no signage on the park. There was a case of a guy literally sitting on a bench in a park in Toronto. Uh, He went to leave the park, he was off the park, he was all these guys are people who you wouldn't normally say, well that's a rebel supporter. Some of our guys are, like that senior who got ticketed for taking his dog out for a pee. But these other, I would call them working class, I would say they're probably not that political. If they were, they'd probably go with the conventional wisdom, maybe even be a little bit liberal. These are the working class, and I would even say in some cases working poor. Yeah. Where are the liberals? Where are the civil liberties lawyers on the left? They are not there. And this isn't even a left-wing, right-wing thing. I'm just so proud we're doing this, Sheila. I'm glad it was you, on our team, who reached out to this mum. And you're right to thank our viewers who are the donors paying. We, I think we've got 11 or 12 cases. Maybe it was 13, but one of them. She settled on her own. Another guy paid his ticket on his own before we could fight. So I think we've got about a dozen cases. If folks want to learn more about those other cases or help pay the legal bills, because we're getting lawyers in other cities now, too. We have a lawyer in Calgary, a lawyer in Edmonton, a lawyer in Montreal, because he's got a lot of cases. If folks want to help, go to fightthefines.com, because we are going to pay these lawyers for folks like this. Sheila, give me uh, your thoughts on this. And then I want to tell you... uh, a positive turn of events in New York City with their police force. But give me your last thoughts on our project, our Fight the fines project.
3: You know, I'm, I'm glad you pointed out that these people are just severely normal people. Some of them are clearly not rebel supporters. And I'm proud to say that we are helping everybody that we can help. We do a little bit of legwork before we take on a case. Um, we don't have a values test. Um, before we help people whose rights have been violated. Um, And I think that's important because when your rights have been violated by these authoritarian municipalities, someone has to help you and I guess that someone is us.
0: That's a great point. That's a great point. Let me tell you, let me end on some good news because it makes me sad what police are doing, but one of the most well-respected and impressive police forces in the world I think people would generally acknowledge is the New York Police Department. It's one of the largest, it's got one of the toughest jobs, it has a, a, a tough uh, neighborhoods, different ethnicities and languages, and of course terrorism is one of their major projects ever since 9-11 before that. I think the New York Police Department is one of the most respected in the world. And I am so pleased, and you can see here, statements made by their police union, that they simply will not engage in social distancing policing anymore. It's against the, the interests of the community, it's against the interests of goodwill, and they're simply not willing to be the bad guys doing what all too many Canadian police are. I'm impressed that New York City cops have more common sense than their Canadian brethren who are doing this nuttiness, and hopefully uh, that common sense will spread up here. What do you think?
3: I think it's great that the New York City police force is focusing on policing real crimes and not these made-up social distancing crimes. Um, They're in one of the largest cities in the world, one of the busiest cities in the world. They have a big enough job as it is, and they seem to have a mayor that doesn't respect the work they do. I'm glad to see that they're taking their oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States seriously.
0: Yeah. Sheila, I'm so proud of this case, and I'm so grateful that it was you who reached out and you had just the right approach. I want to encourage all our viewers to go to fightthefines.com to watch that video in full. And if you want to chip in five, ten, twenty, even 20, even 100 bucks, we're paying for anyone who comes forward with these outrageous cases. So I think we're doing the right thing. Sheila, thanks my friend, keep up the fight.
3: Thanks, I will, boss.
0: All right, there you have it, Sheila gunn our chief reporter, joining us via Skype from northern Alberta. Stay with us, more ahead. Hey, welcome back. On my monologue yesterday about Trudeau banning Rebel News from his press conferences, While declaring support for press freedom, Ronda Ronda writes, "Uh, Trudeau doesn't like to be asked the right questions. Yeah, oh, the softballs he takes, it's embarrassing. I I mean, he's not embarrassed. He likes softball questions. That's why he likes to speak at schools and take questions from children. But you'd think some reporters would have some self-respect. Um, Prime Minister, are you sure you're not burning out from working too hard? Uh, Prime Minister, when are you going to get tough with these uh, bottles of hand sanitizer coming in that aren't bilingual French-English? they're the ones who should be embarrassed. I mean, in a way, Trudeau's got to be laughing in his head. Rene writes, That burnout question is incredible. Our hardworking PM was way on vacation from late December until he was forced to come back halfway through the rail blockades. Now he's been in his rabbit hole since mid-March, except for his Easter break. I assume that he's no longer on the payroll and is living on the monthly CERB payment. You're right. You know, I, I went back and I studied every single foreign trip that Trudeau has gone on since uh, he became prime minister. He's taken a lot of them. But after the election, as I said in my monologue today, he just checked out. He went on a 17 day vacation in Costa Rica, briefly came back. When the virus started to bite, he went on a nine day junket to, I think it was Ethiopia and and a few other countries. And then he's been 40 days plus in self isolation, which no one has prescribed or ordered for him. No one, like you, no one else in cabinet is doing that. He's basically taken 60 out of the last 90 days off. It's it's incredible. On my interview with Aaron Rosenberg about our campaign, LetUsReport.com, Melanie writes, kick some butt, rebellious, get some good questions out there and wake those sleepy Canadians up. Well, we'll see how it works. I mean, it was a long shot when we went to the Federal Court of Canada last October, but we won that long shot, and the court ordered the Debates Commission to let us in. It'll be interesting to see if they do that with the Privy Council Office that's controlling those phone questions, too. I promise I'll keep you posted on what happens, including what the government says when they reply in, I guess, nine days. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.